As Charlie said, I'm the old guy around here, and uh, you never know what you're going to get. How many of you have had uh, vacation disasters in a foreign country? You know, that would be the worst nightmare. What if you were on vacation, and let's say you were on vacation with a purpose, and so you were carrying Bibles into a country where they're forbidden? And everything's cool, everything's going okay, you and your friend, and you're walking down the street, and everything's fine, you're going to follow directions to an appointment, you go down a street, you're supposed to turn right, you turn right, oh, wait a second, this alley's a little dark, you keep going, get to the end, you turn left, as you walk out into a little opening, there's a crowd of people there, they do not look friendly, it's like they know so one of them knocks the bag out of your hand, the Bible spill out, and they say, it's them. It's them Bible smugglers. And so they literally grab you. And, and, and you don't understand the language really well. You're in a foreign country. They grab you, and they start punching you and, and beating your head against the wall and knocking you down and kicking you. And soon you're bloody and you're bleeding. You can barely see. Your eyes are swollen. Your ribs are broken. You can barely breathe. Then they grab you and they take you to the, some sort of official office where they throw you in there and say, these people are breaking the law. And that guy takes you and throws you in the drunk tank. So what's your next thought? Are you sure we were doing the right thing? Can you, can you imagine being bloodied and beaten and hurt, foreign country? Well, that's kind of what happened in Acts 16. Acts 16 tells us the story of uh, the events of Paul and his friend Silas, who were missionaries. In fact, they had set off from uh, Antioch, Jerusalem, to bring the good news. How did they end up here in Philippi? Now, Philippi is on the far eastern side of Greece, which is the gateway to Europe. It is a major Roman colony back in the day, and they thought we are now entering into bringing the gospel to a whole new continent. But within a few days, they were sitting, beaten and bloodied, in a jail with their feet in stocks. You see, they started out from Jerusalem, and they were carrying, <clears throat> carrying the letter delivering the decisions reached by the apostles. Now, the decision reached by the apostles, you may remember, was there was controversy over what do non-Jews need to do to follow Jesus, to believe in Jesus, to be saved. And some thought they need to follow the Torah and the men need to be circumcised. And others said, nope, belief in Jesus alone. And so Paul and Silas were taking the news that there's an end to performance-based religion. No more performance-based religion. Now we are acceptable to God in Jesus Christ. By his grace, by his death on the cross, his resurrection, forgave our sins, restored relationship. We are not here doing the law to get God's favor. His favor is on us because of Jesus. Would you love to hear no more performance-based religion? 
there are a lot of Baptists and Presbyterians and Methodists and whatever there may be who would love to hear, I can rest in the acceptance of God by Jesus Christ. That's the message they're taking. They took it to all the churches where they had planted before, and they ran out of churches that they had planted carrying the news, and they were in the uh, area of Asia Minor, which is now Turkey. Now, Turkey's in the news a lot these days on the northern border of Syria, and the Kurds are there. You know, there's all kinds of conflict right there. They were in what we now call Turkey, <clears throat> and Paul, having passed up the churches where he had started, wanted to preach some more. But the Holy Spirit said no. Okay, we'll go north and preach. And the Spirit of Jesus said no. Well, we'll go over here and preach. The Spirit of God said no. And so finally they were funneled into a seaport city on the western side of Asia Minor called Troas. T-R-O-A-S. And one night Paul had a vision. And in the vision it says here in verse 9 of 16... A man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave, concluding that God had called us. <clears throat> Look at that. We got ready. That's the first time in Acts that you've seen W-E, we, because in Troas, Luke joined the group. Now Luke, as you know, wrote the Gospel of Luke and he wrote Acts. This is where he joined Paul. Now, one reason I think God funneled Paul across Asia Minor was to pick up Luke. Because, well, we wouldn't have the gospel and we might not have Acts if we hadn't picked Luke up there. Now, Macedonia is a region of Greece. It's across the uh, sea there from Troas. So they got on a boat, they sailed over, landed at the uh, port city, and then walked to Philippi. Now, once they were there... Paul, usually, his custom was to go to the synagogue and speak to the Jews. There was no synagogue in Philippi. Philippi was what's called a Roman colony. Now, that means that it has an official status. It means that they put retired Roman military and uh, civil officials. They give them a place to live in this uh, colony. And it's very much like Rome. It's kind of like Chicago, second city. Philippi, second city from Rome. The culture was there. Everything was there. And Paul gets there. There's no synagogue because the Roman government did not look with favor on the Jews. In fact, in the next year, Claudius, the ruler of Rome, expelled all the Jews from Rome. And so Paul's walking the streets there. He's looking for someone to speak to. It says... On the Sabbath, they went to a place of prayer down near the river. On the, on the Sabbath, we went there expecting to find a place of prayer. Uh, we got there, and they found a woman named Lydia, who was, we're called a seller of purple. She, she sold this royal fabric. So she was probably a fairly well-to-do merchant. Uh, she was from Asia. And she being there, uh, Paul began to speak. And look in verse um, 14. It says, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Now, we know what Paul's message was. He tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that Jesus Christ was crucified, died, and was raised from the grave by God. 
that he forgave our sins. That's the message. That's the gospel. But look, at, isn't it interesting the way it says? The Lord opened her heart to accept the message. She believed in God. She probably was a non-Jewish person who uh, tried to understand some of the Jewish faith, the Torah, Jehovah. But it says that the Lord opened her heart. Now, let me ask you, can you remember when the Lord opened your heart to believe in Jesus? Now, some of you, it's like, well, yeah. For some, maybe it was a season. But isn't it interesting? In fact, I think it says here that anyone in this building today, listening to this message, hearing the words that Jesus died and rose, the Lord can open your heart for you to believe. And they were baptized right away. And so Paul and Silas and his group began to join her there at her house. And it says that one day they were going to the place of prayer. So he's going to church and on the way met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a lot of money for her owners and she followed Paul and Silas and the rest of us shouting. And the word there is screeching. These men are servants of the Most High God. <clears throat> They're telling you a way to be saved. <clears throat> so Paul, welcome to Europe, walking the street, going to church, and met by probably a middle school girl and some guys who were her owner. This is human trafficking right here. She had a spirit by which she would do fortune telling. And so people would come and give money to the owners, and she would screech out something either intelligible or not, and they would be interpreted, and they would go on. But she's a little different than the normal demon-possessed girl because you see the word there for divination, the spirit of divination. The word there is python. Python. Now, what does that mean? She has the spirit of python. Now, if you lived in Philippi or anywhere in the Roman Empire in the day, you would know immediately what that referred to. Approximately 350 miles from Philippi, near the base of a mountain near Corinth, is the temple of Apollo. Apollo is one of the, one of the Greek and Roman gods. Now, the story was that Apollo, the myth was, uh, Apollo came to this mountain which was protected by a snake, by a python. He killed it and threw it into the ground, into a crevice. And once in that crevice, the snake began to rot. And the story was that they would place a woman, a priestess, over the crevice who could smell the fumes of the rotting snake, and she would have a spirit of divination, be able to tell the future, and to tell people what they needed to do or not do based on that, People will come from all around to Apollo's temple bringing gifts just for the hope of hearing from a woman smelling dead snakes. Spirit of Python. Now these guys, the owners, had taken this young girl there and they had held her over this crack in the earth, given her life to dead snake fumes, and then they had taken her and brought her to Philippi, a major city, and did they have a business enterprise? Oh, yeah, we got this slave girl here. She's got spirit of Python. <laughs> Straight from the temple of Apollo, the spirit of Python, which often was called the Oracle of Delphi. In the, in the Greek and Roman world, 
the gods you believed in were many, and they lived at the top of Mount Olympus, remember, from high school? And they had a pantheon to them. They had statues of them. And you wanted to be really careful about upsetting the gods because if they got upset, they might throw lightning at you or earthquakes, stuff like that. That's about the extent. You would go and you would hope to get a word from a priestess, hopefully from the gods, that you could make a good decision circumstantially turn out okay for you. But there was no love, there was no love between uh, humans for gods, gods for humans. There was no direction, there was no moral dimension to the Roman religion of the gods. So this young girl who encountered and began to follow, can you imagine her owners? They're like, come on, we got to go make money. And she, these are men of the most high. The word God there is the word theos from which we get the word theology. What this girl was doing was trying to dilute or discredit the message. Because Apollo is a theos. These men are of the most high theos. Well, let's see, is that Apollo? Is that Zeus? Who? Which one is it? Who bring you a way of salvation. Now, if you lived in that day and time, and you heard the word salvation or saved, what would you think of? Well, everybody knows, I'm going to heaven when I die. And I'm signing on to live a superior moral life to keep the rules and try to keep my big sins hit I'm to not sin at all right in their day heaven was not a concept when they died that was it it was over and there were no moral regulations by their religion so what on earth did it mean they're telling a way of salvation in their mind, all it meant, salvation meant to get a circumstantial advantage in life. That hopefully the gods and the fates would stop messing with you, and you would have good crops, you would have children, you would have success in the marketplace, you wouldn't get sick, and there wouldn't be disasters in your town. All circumstantial, this life only. But people were interested. You can sell that. In a world where there's no sanitation, in a world where there's so much uncertainty about what things mean, if you can get a circumstantial advantage, salvation, I'm there. I want some. That's what they heard. So she was screeching about them being of the most high God, Theos. And finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ. Now let that settle for a moment. In Europe, for one of the first times, the name of Jesus Christ is spoken. And who is it spoken to? The Spirit. The Spirit of what? The Python. And which spirit held sway over that area of the country? Apollo. And the spirit of the python. This was a power encounter. Paul and Silas entered Europe. <clears throat> and the enemy Satan prompted a demon-possessed girl to confront Paul. But she wasn't just a demon-possessed girl. She had the power and authority of Apollo and the python behind her. This was a power encounter. And hopefully Paul would turn and run back to Asia 
and not try to evangelize Europe. But what did Paul do? Pulled out his sword, submachine gun. No. What did he use? The name of Jesus Christ. Keep the main thing the main thing, right? The name of Jesus Christ, and bam, it says, immediately the spirit was gone. And she couldn't tell any more fortunes. <clears throat> now, the owners, the owners of this girl at that time, once they realized that their income was gone, they're like, oh, holy crap, what happened here? You guys are going to get it. And they grab them, and they start beating them, and hustling toward the magistrates, a mob joins in. The mob gets riled up. They take them to the magistrates and say, these men are Jews. They're throwing our city into an uproar. Well, I believe it was your slave girl that was doing that. Remember that part? And they are also advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. You see, these guys are just making stuff up. But the magistrates, now remember, we're a principal Roman city, and peace is the rule of the day. The magistrates had responsibility to keep the peace in this city, or they would answer for it. No mobs, no problems. And so the magistrates ordered Paul and Silas stripped and beaten with rods. Now the magistrates had two guards on either side, and the guards usually stood there with a a bundle of rods, uh, sticks. And when it was time to administer justice, the magistrates would call these, the, the technical word is lictors, L-I-C-T-O-R-S, with these rods, the rods. And they would come and they would beat on them. Have you ever heard the, the term, well, they licked us? It came from that. The lictors, the rods that beat Paul and Silas into a bloody pulp. Bleeding, bruised, broken, probably couldn't see very well, eyes swell shut, naked. And the magistrate said, take them to jail. And told the jailer, you better not lose these guys. And so the jailer put them into the inner prison, which was probably a dungeon. And by the way, there really weren't many sanitary appointments to these jails. <clears throat> Remember the movies about uh, guys from America being thrown into jails in Turkey? I mean, what, 20, 30 years ago? Just despicable. Well, this is worse than that. And so put them in there, fasten their feet in stocks to make them uncomfortable. The next verse says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. Wouldn't you love to have heard this conversation? Silas, Paul, you, your freaking vision, look what you have gotten us into. And Paul's like, well, I thought for sure it was God. I mean, things were fine. Lydia got saved. And yeah, but Paul, are you sure we're in the right place, doing the right thing? Uh, that's kind of the conversation Charlie and I probably would have had. But Paul and Silas, <clears throat> I think what they said was, well, you know, Jesus said there'd be suffering. He said there'd be trouble in this world. I guess this is part of it. And somehow, if God can use this for Jesus' sake, then I will gladly take discomfort in my body. 
You see, Christians of all people have been given not only the fortitude and the power, but instructions on how to suffer. Next time someone causes you to suffer, a boss or a spouse or a child, think about it. You have been given an advantage in how to suffer and not let it get to you. So they were praying and singing hymns to God, hymns of praise to God. And the other prisoners were listening. My prayer would have been, God, get me out of this. Their prayers were, God, thank you that we can serve you. We consider ourselves unworthy of suffering this this, this suffering for Jesus' sake. Isn't that wild? And the other prisoners were, what do you usually hear in the drunk tank? The other prisoners were listening, and they... They, they settled into hearing what Paul and Silas were saying and praying and singing and singing praise to God. What, what were they singing? What do you think? What song would they have chosen? You know, what a friend we have in Jesus. I, I don't know. I, but it was something about, God, thank you. You are great regardless of our circumstances. Thank you. We can have peace. And joy and confidence, even in the midst of suffering and trials. Now, they didn't know the next sentence in the Bible at the time. For all they knew, they would be there all night, their wounds untended, in pain and discomfort. And the next morning, the magistrates could send for them, bring them back, and have them executed or beaten more. Now let that sink in for a moment, because we know the story, but they didn't. They were singing and praying not to get out, not to get themselves out of the circumstances. They were singing and praying because of what was inside of them was coming into their circumstances and those around them. But the next verse says something very startling happened. Uh, Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake Uh, that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once the doors flew open, everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and about to kill himself. A Roman soldier who let a prisoner escape would be killed. He was about to save them the trouble. He was going to kill himself. He thought the prisoners had all escaped. But Paul shouted out, and it's dark, the, the jailer can't see, and he, he figures everyone's gone. Paul says, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Now, the normal person would have said, I, I hope he kills himself twice. I mean, after what he's done to us, it, it, the sucker needs to die. But Paul said, no, don't, don't harm yourself, we're all here. Uh, they're not going to punish you, you shouldn't punish yourself. The jailer called for lights rushed in and fell, trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What did he he have in mind when he used the word saved? It shifted. Like I told you before, up to this point, salvation meant that you got some kind of advantage in life so that the gods or the fates would allow you to get by with something or have something special or extra. What the jailer saw in Paul and Silas, he saw two men 
in the most excruciating circumstances who had peace and joy, and guess what? Compassion. Because they cried out, don't kill yourself. Don't, don't, don't kill yourself. The jailer was rocked to his foundation to experience the presence of a power unknown in Europe up to that time, a power that had defeated the spirit of Python, a power that had enabled Paul and Silas to take a licking and keep on ticking, a power that enabled Paul and Silas to continue to have a condition within them that overwhelmed the circumstances around them. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be like you are? He didn't know at this point whether or not he would die the next day. He didn't know what would happen to his life. But he knew that if he did die the next day, he wanted to die with the same spirit, the same God that these guys believed in. He wanted some of that. He wanted something that would alter his condition, even though his circumstances could be negative. Do you know that as a Christian, it is your inheritance by the Holy Spirit so that you can consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that your patience produces and produces character and freedom. You see, Paul and Silas's character, the condition that they had on the inside, spoke well, not only to the jailer, can you imagine the other prisoners have so come under their influence? I would even say authority. If you're in jail <clears throat> with a bunch of guys and two of them have overcome the, the conditions there and have joy, uh, the other prisoners somehow had, had to recognize their authority. They didn't run out either when the chains were off. And so the jailer took Paul and Silas took them to his house, fed them, cleansed their wounds. And it says here, it says that he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God and he and his family were baptized. God opened Lydia's heart to receive Paul's message and she was baptized. She didn't come to faith because of dire circumstances or facing death. She came because the Lord had opened her heart, because she had heard the message. The jailer, on the other hand, came to Christ because of severe circumstances and threat, and seeing someone exhibiting otherworldly, heavenly uh, characteristics in this situation. And he was baptized. Now, you may, you may be here today, and you may be here with your life circumstances aren't that bad. But it may be that the Lord is opening your heart to take you away from trying to get God to like you to receiving Jesus and knowing that you are a beloved son or daughter of his. It's just that simply. And you may cross that line and say, I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and rose from the grave. I receive him as Lord. Because that's what Paul said. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. 
It may be your circumstances are difficult. And you would love to find a God that would change your circumstances. How about finding a God who can change your condition so that in the circumstances you can have power and joy and love and peace? That's what the jailer did. Today, if you've not resolved that issue about your belief in Jesus, you may want to come forward during the time we have communion, talk to Charlie or I, somebody on the prayer team, and say, what must I do to be saved? I want to believe in Jesus. I want to experience the kind of life that Paul and Silas exhibited that night. You see the communion we have here, the bread, that represents Jesus' body that was broken for us. The cup that represents his blood shed for forgiveness of our sins. You're invited to that table during our communion time while the worship band plays. You're invited to come to Jesus if you haven't. You're invited to upgrade, upgrade your condition from determined by circumstances to independent of circumstances, joy and peace. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for the power exhibited uh, that Jesus came and died and rose again. The power that Paul exhibited through you over the most potent demon on the continent of Europe. For the power over their emotions during a time of beating and being jailed. Father, we long to live that kind of quality of life that what it really means to be saved. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.